Have you been thinking about wanting to start your own podcast? When I was trying to get the Evan Witt show off the ground, trying to find where to go, I had a lot of questions and trying to figure it out. And Anchor was the place to go. Easy to start, easy to use, and it's free. And you can get your podcast heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other great places that people like to listen. The answer, again, is Anchor. And I love using Anchor as it's extremely easy and simple and free to use. If you want to join me with Anchor on your podcast, then go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and the diverse community of all the podcasters that Anchor has to offer. I enjoy and cannot wait to start hearing your first podcast. That's anchor.fm slash start. It is Saturday, February 8th, and this is the Evan Wittalison Show. I'm Evan Wittalison, and the Evan Wittalison Show is presented to you by Flex Gym of Racine located right across the street from Horlick High School. If you're looking to get into shape, lose some weight, looking for a nice gym to work out at, um, that is a gym for you. Check it out. Um, go to, you can check out the, uh, it's located at 2400 Rapids Drive, right across from Horlick High School. And I enjoy it. I enjoy the, you know, the owner is a great owner. The staff that works there are friendly. And you can also get a, Therapeutic massage as well from a professional um, massage masseuse. Um, I love the gym. I think you would love it too. If you're in southeastern Wisconsin, check it out and see what you think. So with that said, lots to talk about today. Some NBA Milwaukee Bucks stuff to talk about. The NBA trade deadline just passed. And I know a lot of people, a lot of Bucks fans, or I should say some Bucks fans, are not really happy with the Bucks not making a move um, before the trade deadline. Um, I'm going to kind of go into why I don't have a problem with it. And then the move the Bucks did make, um, signing a uh, forward off the bench in Marvin Williams, talk to you a little bit about what he brings to the Milwaukee Bucks. The XFL Part 2 is underway. Seattle and D.C. are playing as we speak in the second quarter at 6-3 Seattle. I'm going to talk a little bit about the XFL and some things that I'm looking forward to of the XFL. Um, why it has a better chance of being successful from the last edition of the XFL. And if I think it's going to be successful or not. I'm going to talk about that a little later. I'm going to talk Super Bowl. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the... San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl, 31-20. 49ers had a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter, and the Chiefs scored 21 points in the fourth quarter to get the win. Going to talk a little bit about my thoughts of that game, including some questions people had about officiating. Going to give my thoughts and feelings and opinions on that. So, with that said... Thanks for listening to the Evan Wittalison show, and I think the the uh, Super Bowl will be a great place to start as we put away the 2019 NFL season. So the, the, the Chiefs and 49ers, final score, as I said, 31-20. Very entertaining game. Um, I thought it was entertaining to watch, but I also thought there were some very dumb decisions made um, by the coaches. Uh, especially on San Francisco. So you look at San Francisco. 
how do they get to where they are? A strong running game featured off of get play action passes, getting the ball to George Kittle, controlling the ball, controlling the clock, and having a defense that smothers the opposing team. That's how San Francisco got there. And the defensive side of things, up until the fourth quarter, the defense did that. They smothered Kansas City. They slowed them down. Kansas City was struggling to sustain drives until late in the game where they converted third and 15 on the deep pass from Mahomes to um, Tyreek Hill. You know, and, and I'm, I'm kind of curious. So you have a young coach, you know, Kyle Shanahan, I believe, second year as a head coach. Um, why is it when you have coaches that we deem the next football genius all of a sudden get to the Super Bowl and it seems like they freeze? And I say that because we saw it last year in the Super Bowl with Sean McVay. He gets to the Super Bowl. And offensively, he goes away from what's been working all season long. And I get that Gurley was having some knee issues, so that kind of limited what the the Rams could do in the Super Bowl. But still, you went away from what got you there. Outside zone, controlling the clock, big plays, and a defense that got after the quarterback. The Patriots' game plan offensively eliminated getting after the quarterback. I'll give you that much. But the offensive game plan, it's like they went away and decided to go away from what got them there. San Francisco, they get to the Super Bowl based off what I talked about. They get in the game, and Raheem Morset, the hero of the NFC Championship game, gets 12 carries for 58 yards, 4.8 yards per carry. Tevon Coleman, 5 carries for 28 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. Debo Samuel, three carries for 53 yards, 17.7 yards per carry. 12 and 5. Those are the carries between your two running backs. That's uh, 17 carries between the two. They threw the ball 31 times. Why get away from what got you there? You're running the ball at a pretty good clip. You're getting good, good yardage on every carry. But yet you go away from it and you decide to put the ball in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands and try to get him to, you know, force things down the field. I, I, I really don't understand it. And I know a lot, uh, some of it was more dink and dunk, get the ball to Debo Samuel, uh, get the ball to Kendrick Boom, get it to Emmanuel Sanders and let them make plays. But George Kittle, four catches for 36 yards. And Garoppolo missed a wide open Kittle. On one play, in one play, he got called for offensive pass interference, which I could see it both ways. I could see why they threw the flag on it, and I could see why they wouldn't throw it. Um, it's very similar to the no call in the wild card round between the the Saints and the Vikings. And I think if that play in the wild card round with uh, with uh, Kyle Rudolph doesn't happen. We don't see the off the offensive pass interference called in the Super Bowl. I think the outrage from that little subtle kind of push um, in Minnesota, uh, or I should say in New Orleans, uh, the favored the Vikings. I think it made the officials keep a very close eye on those things, and I think that's why they ended up calling it. But with that said, you know you got to get get Kittle involved in the passing game. There's nobody on the Chiefs that I think could even cover him. And you got to run the ball. And they went away from running the ball in key situations. They had, I think, a third and 10 
run the ball twice. You're averaging five yards a pop. Or might have been second and five. Run the ball twice. Instead, especially late in the game, when they still had time to run their offense, they got away from that and put the ball in Garoppolo's hands. Stop getting away from what got you there and do what got you there. It's not like the Chiefs were shutting you down. It's not like the Chiefs were shutting down the run game, forcing you to throw the ball. You chose to throw the ball 30 times. That's what you chose to do. And you put your quarterback in bad situations. And the play call on third and 10 where he overthrew Emmanuel Sanders, yes, I get it, a better throw, it's a touchdown. But why put your your quarterback in that situation? You took the ball out of his hands in the divisional round. You took the ball out of his hands in the in the uh, NFC Championship game. And then in the Super Bowl, you decide you're going to put the weight of the game on his shoulders and expect him to make a deep bomb on 3rd and 10, which falls incomplete to bring up a 4th and 10. And then the quarterback, is, I think, either sacked or threw it away on 4th down to get the ball back to the Chiefs. And then the Chiefs put the ball away at the touchdown run. I, I get a little worried. You know, you look at the Packers, they have a young head coach second going into his second year, um, third year as a play caller, and it worries me because what if the Packers get that far next year? What if they get to the Super Bowl? Is Matt LaFleur going to do what got him there, or is he going to decide to do something different? Which I think situationally, the Rams had Jared Goff, the 49ers Jimmy Garoppolo, Packers have Aaron Rodgers, who's been there before. Um, so I don't think I don't I, I don't think Rodgers would um, allow them to completely go to something different. Um, I think him and Lafleur have a pretty good rapport and relationship. I don't think they'd get away from what got them there, but you never know until you get there and you see what happens. But before that happens, though, the Packers do have some offseason moves they have to make, which I'm going to start digesting moving forward of the in the Evan Allison show talking about some moves the Packers should look into potentially and go from there so moving on the Milwaukee Bucks they have the NBA's best record um, they're currently sitting at 44 and 7 about to tip off in Orlando against 22 and 30 Orlando Magic and the Bucks just recently signed Marvin Williams um, or they're about to, I should say, they're going to sign Marvin Williams once the he clears, uh, once the buyout is finalized. He's going to sign with the Bucks. They're expected to sign with the Bucks. Obviously, anything can change. <clears throat> I saw a lot of people on my social media feed, Facebook and Twitter, extremely pissed off that the Bucks didn't make any moves. And my thing is, I think the Bucks did the right thing. I think they did the right thing. And they didn't make moves for the sake of making a move. They didn't panic when they saw what the Heat did and they saw what the 76ers did or the Clippers do. And they didn't panic. They, they, they kept, this is what we were willing to do. Nothing came up. So we didn't make a move. And now we're going to go to the buyout market. And Dragon, Dragon Bender is expected to be the guy that the Bucks get rid of to make a roster spot for Marvin Williams. The Bucks. I... The Bucks were very limited on what they could do in the trade market. The guys that they would be willing to move, they don't have a lot of salary invested in those guys. And to make the salaries work, it would take it would be kind of difficult to do for any high-priced um, veteran, 
high price guy. It, it would take a lot of work to get the salaries to work out. And the other reason, too, I'm glad they didn't make a trade, is this team has a ton of chemistry. They're playing extremely well with one another. I, I don't want to break that chemistry up. I, I Let's let it run. Let, let this team ride out. If they win the NBA Finals, great. If they fall a little bit short, it's going to suck. And people are going to talk about how the Bucks are the Buffalo Bills of the NBA. Um, for those that are... Don't get the reference. The Bills made it to four straight Super Bowls uh, in the early 90s and lost each and every one. The Pat, the Bucks made it to the NFC Championship. I mean, the, yeah, the NBA Eastern Conference Finals last year fell short. This year, if they make it to the Finals again or make it to the NBA Finals and fall short, that's two years in a row. They, they, they were just inches away from trying to compete for the NBA title or winning the NBA title. It's going to suck if they fall short, but again, let this ride out. This team, there's something about this team. There's something special about this team. This, the chemistry they have, the love they have for one another. The Lopez twins, Giannis, his brother, Dante DiVincenzo, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe. There's just something special. Ursan, Corver. there's something special about this team. And I don't want them to make a trade and mess with that chemistry. I didn't really want them to do that. I'm glad they didn't. I don't know some of you are going to probably call me a dumb basketball fan because if you have a chance to get better, let's do it. But the thing is, they go and now they're expected to sign um, Marvin Williams. And he's uh, 6'9 forward. And those that may recognize the name, he was the number two pick in the 2005 NBA draft that brought the Milwaukee Bucks Andrew Bogut uh, with the number one pick. So he's been around. He's only 33, so he's still relatively young. But let's just see what happens. Let's just see what happens here on out. The, the Bucks are pretty much guaranteed the one seed at this point, barring a complete and utter collapse. And, again, let the season play out. That's just, that's just my thing. Don't overreact to losses. Don't overreact to wins. Just enjoy the ride. And I don't see a team in the Eastern Conference Knocking off the Bucks in four games, you know, being able to win four games against this Bucks team in a seven-game series, and I have a hard time seeing it in the Western Conference. The Clippers, maybe the Lakers, uh, I guess maybe, but outside of those two, I don't think there's any team in the in the Western Conference that really match up well against the Bucks. The Heat are a team that you got to worry about in the East. Um, I will give you that much. The Miami Heat for Whatever reason, um, I always seem to give the Bucks trouble, and I know what the reason is. Eric Spolstra is an extremely underrated coach. She's really good at uh, scheming and making uh, guys uncomfortable. Toronto is on the midst of a 13-game winning streak, 38 and 46 and a half behind Milwaukee. They could always get hot in the playoffs again. Boston, the three seed, uh, six-game winning streak, and the Bucks on the three-game winning streak. The bottom half of the Eastern Conference, you have the Magic right now at the A spot, the Wizards a um, few games behind that, the Bulls 10 spot, the Nets the seventh seed, at, uh, and the Pacers the sixth seed. The Pacers, I, I think it's safe to say the top six spots in the East is locked up between the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, 76ers, and the Pacers. I think that's pretty much wrapped up. Um, the seven and eight spot is going to be where the competition lies between the Nets, the Magic, and it's looking like the Wizards. Um, 
But we'll see where that goes. But moving on, XFL. The XFL kicks off today. And you have in the XFL the Dallas Renegades, the DC Defenders, the Houston Roughnecks, the LA Wildcats, the New York Guardians, which I actually like that name. I might that might be my XFL team to try to root for. Um, St. Louis Battlehawks, the Seattle Dragons, Tampa Bay Vipers, and the infamous team number nine, which I'm guessing that is the team that teams are going to uh, pick new players that they have injuries or need to fill roster spots. Um, that's uh, that's my guess what it's going to do. Um, but we'll see what happens. But the XFL kicking off today. Uh, watching it as we speak uh, while I'm doing this podcast, and it. The, the presentation looks much better than it did 20 years ago. It, it looks more crisp. It looks, it doesn't look, at, it looks sloppy, but it doesn't look as sloppy as it did 20 years ago. I think this go around in the XFL, and this is why I think it could work. Um, this go around in the XFL, they, they seem to have um, did a better job of planning. <clears throat> They seem to have done a better job of waiting instead of rushing the product out on the field, which I think they did back 20 years ago. They made a big rush to get it on the field, and it quite didn't work out the way they wanted it to. And I think that's part of the reason why it failed. It was very sloppy. It was very hard to watch. Um, outside of a few of the aesthetic things, like the sky cam, it was very hard to watch, and it didn't last. It folded after one year. And the other thing, they didn't have the... The, the TV backing that they do now. They're on NBC, and NBC had issues with some of the programming, like Saturday Night Live, that they were fighting with um, to show the full games. And week one, you had an issue with the transmitter blowing out in L.A. that kind of just uh, hurt things a little bit. Um, this go-around, you're on Fox, you're on ABC, you're on ESPN, you're on bigger networks, bigger reach, bigger... Ways to get your product out there, ESPN behind you, boxes behind you. And back 20 years ago, it was strictly only NBC that was really behind you. Um, ESPN barely hardly ever mentioned the NF the XFL, is if at all. I think part of that was is the NFL was pissed off that Vince McMahon and his cronies kept taking shots at the NFL. This time they're not doing that. This is just more of an alternative, something that, you know, another brand of football for you to watch. Um, they're not promoting it as, you know, we're going to beat the NFL kind of thing, which they were 20 years ago. So I, I think it has a better shot now of being successful than it did 20 years ago. Um, but I still don't, I still think it's going to have a hard time surviving. I think it's going to have an easier time surviving over the... Oh, and then you have Oliver Luck um, running the show, too. He's, he's a, you know obviously, former athletic director in college football. His son's Andrew Luck. He's been around the game of football a lot. And I think that's going to help you um, quite a bit as well. So I want it to be successful. I don't think it's going to be long-term. Maybe it might go more than one season of the original XFL, but... It's just really hard, and we've seen it over and over again with these jumpstart leagues that fade out and may not even make it through a full year. But, of course, they don't have the backing of Vince McMahon and Fox and ESPN, so we'll see what happens. So with that said, I want to thank you all for 
listening to the Evan with Allison show. Leave your comments. You can tweet at me, Evan with Sports, E-V-A-N-W-I-T Sports. You can tweet at me. You can email me, CoachEvan66 at gmail.com. Hope you all have a great Saturday, and I will get back at you later.